Welcome everybody to the final panel discussion. I hope you had a nice day. You had a nice day? Somebody, somebody nodding? I can't hear you. You had a nice day? Yes. Thank you very much. Let's give Holger a big applause for having us here today. Thank you very much. Sometimes we talk to each other uh, on some private occasions, and I told Holger, coming to ECP is like coming home. Uh, is, uh, any, any, any corner I turn, any uh, staircase I take is some familiar face. And I say hello here, and I say hello there, and uh, I want to apologize to everybody that's, whose name I forgot. But I don't forget the faces. So it was really good being here today for me personally. I learned a lot. And it was um, great being here today um, when the opening session started. Um, after my own workshop, um, I, I came into this room. And uh, there was Mr. Gomez talking about the 17 SDGs. And um, I'm wearing this badge. And I can remember that I learned about the SDGs, I don't know, half a year ago, nine months ago. That's how aware I was. I wasn't at all. So it was good to hear about it today. And he said a few things what we need. We need people. We need innovation. We need new materials. We need uh, social systems that are capable of taking up change and changing. We need an economy to change, and we need to be fast. We need to move now. We need to act. And the chemical industry is always being part of the problem and the solution at the same time. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please join me on the stage. Ladies and gentlemen from the panel group, please come up on stage and let's discuss sustainability in chemistry and how to redesign our finance ecosystem. So, please give them a hand. It's good to see you too. Thank you very much. There's two on that table, two on that table, if you might. Okay, please share a mic. Hello, everybody. Okay, so we didn't have time to to talk a lot, so it's going to be more fun, even <laughs> even though. So, um, welcome, and um, I want to start with a citation from Lawrence Fink, founder and CEO of BlackRock, who said at the beginning of this year, the evidence on climate risk is compelling investors to reassess core assumptions about modern finance. And I want to know from each one of you, what are these core assumptions about modern finance? It sounds for me as an amateur in finance a bit cryptic, to be honest. Um, but we've got some experts on the board that might be able to translate what that actually means. And please um, introduce yourselves in a few brief words before you answer. And we start right here. Mr. Fuchs, please. Okay. Hello, everybody. My name is Arno Fuchs. I'm the founder and CEO of a German company called FCF, Fox Corporate Finance. As the name says, we're a corporate finance advisory firm, also an investment bank. 
We focus very much on financing transactions, no M&A transactions. On the financing side, we do work with technology companies, industrial companies, but more specifically also and more uh, focused here on this event, also with companies in the life science space, anything having to do with biotech, diagnostics, health tech, and healthcare technology. We're also working with technology, real tech companies, which would include companies in the energy storage space, robotics, drones, IoT, things that make uh, the world um, more productive, faster, or would help, help save resources, or make life longer if you talk about the companies on the life science side. We help these companies with any type of financing transaction, be it a very early stage company where we might be raising a Series B, uh, or more advanced companies where we're helping them raise them a Series C or a Series D up to the IPO. Uh, we're a team of 20 people. We're doing this since many, many years, have done many transactions. Uh, and I think we know the ecosystem in these sectors here in Germany, the German-speaking region, and to a certain degree also Europe uh, quite well. Um, aside from the smaller companies, we're also working with big established companies in the so-called German Mittelstand, uh, companies with 100 million revenues and above. The logic that applies there in any type of sector uh, um, are somewhat different. Um, but I think from that perspective, we can speak for the smallish company universe um, as well as the larger universe. And that perspective, the perspectives there um, are different. Um, the claim that, uh, that I, you want me to refer to I think is a good one, a very timely one, because it uh, addresses public opinion at the moment. It addresses public opinion at a moment where the economies, uh, and this, obviously this has built up over the last couple of years, public opinion, public debate, uh, Greta becoming uh, a quite famous person, being on stage everywhere. This is just the spirit of the day to a certain degree, I must say. Uh, I'm a bit more skeptical that these things will uh, drive substantial changes. Uh, I think it will drive changes here and there, um, but not everywhere. Uh, to take the enthusiasm out of it a little bit, and uh, I want to take the controversial uh, opinion here. Um, I don't want to be the bad guy, but that is how we can create some kind of a discussion. You know? uh, as a private person, I might think differently, but I want to have a discussion with you that's interesting uh, for all of you. Um, I think if the economy turns and uh, economic decisions are not as generous uh, anymore within the corporate world, um, even the man who made that claim will think differently. He will um, rather forego those objectives than forego the profit. Um, time will tell whether that's uh, true, but I think so. And um, uh, yeah. In our work with uh, smaller companies, honestly, we don't see an impact yet, and I doubt that we will see it. The companies are most often struggling to race to the next financing round to stay afloat. There's little chance to think about um, 
uh, about these, these factors. Um, a factor that I think is relevant and that can be changed is uh, gender equality. I'm very much for it. Um, I know from some of the board members of large corporates all the way up to the DAX uh, universe that uh, even the more male senior guys who are super open for equality up to the 50% level and they've tried to introduce it in the DAX uh, companies but they say honestly there are not that many qualified female candidates yet, sorry to say that. Um, but they say it will take time and give us the time and give us targets that we can move it up over time. Uh, we will adhere to the targets and we will reach the 50% over time. I think doing 50% at the very uh, moment is doing it too fast. Okay, thank you very much. Let's pass it on, please. I'm taking notes of Arnold's concept. Yes. <laughs> Uh, thank you. I'm Fernando Gomez. Uh, hopefully, uh, you had a chance to to hear a bit about uh, myself and the organization that I'm. I'm uh, I have the privilege to to represent the World Economic Forum. Um, definitely the non-expert in the panel, uh, but uh, but happy to be in an organization where we have the opportunity to tap into the collective knowledge of of many of you. I'm just going to leave it here. Oh, the comment on Larry Fink. Um, what if uh, you mentioned two things: targets and time, Arna. What if we had targets, which in some areas we do, and what if we didn't have time, which apparently we don't anymore? So, uh, so I think this is the moment to, to challenge and to take a bet on Larry Fink not abandoning profits before he abandons the objective. Uh, I know that, uh, that this might sound too lofty and, and too idealistic, but it's not going to happen. We will miss that. We will miss 2030 um, if we wait for more time so for five years to identify the mechanisms that are going to allow us to bring uh, gender parity or any of the other um, SDGs. So that's, uh, uh, we would love to get in uh, uh, with, a, with a bit of an alternative message. No, we don't have any more time. And, uh, and there are targets. They're imperfect. Um, they have a lot, you know, they, they require a lot of work to do, but from the 17 SDGs, there are 169 targets that uh, give us a good direction. Um, it took a little bit for many to wear the pin and to hear about the 17 SDGs. It'll take a bit more time for people to hear about the specific targets, but they are spelled out. So maybe we do have them. I'll leave it here and come back uh, with some, some additional comments. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, they have a mic on, on their own. So. Uh, I have. Thank you. Oh. Ah. Perfect. Uh, um, yes, uh, my name is Christina Jeromin. I'm head of group sustainability at Deutsche Börse. I'm managing director of the Green and Sustainable Finance Cluster Germany, and I'm vice chair of the Sustainable Finance uh, Committee of the German government. So, um, yeah, it's my third panel for today talking about sustainable finance. Um, so, I think uh, it's an uh, important, the most important trend we see at the moment within the financial industry. And coming back to your question, I'm not sure if modern finance, uh, financial industry, uh, I don't know what, what, what uh, Larry is meaning with that, I think financial industry has a responsibility, that it's not new, it's an old one, financing growth in the real economy and financing stable um, growth, future-proof growth. Um, and the question is, based on which data sustainable, um, the financial industry is able to do that. <coughs> At the moment, we are just focusing on the classical financial key figures, just backward looking and how far a company performed in the last year. That's not enough. Uh, we have to integrate so-called ESG aspects. 
environmental, social and governance information that gives the investors an opportunity to forecast the performance of a company on a mid to long term view. Because in the end, <coughs> we need mid to long term strategies to ensure that our core businesses, um, nevertheless uh, from which sector uh, they came from, uh, are, um, are successful in not only one or three years, but in 20, 50, maybe 100 years. And so uh, the climate change is one aspect. Um, highly emotional discussed in uh, the society, but in the end for the sustainable um, community, a rational risk. So we have seen risks, different risks, over the last decades, and today climate risk is one of the, uh, the important ones, but you have the demographical change, you have the digitalization, um, international migration, uh, migration movements, etc. So the financial industry has the responsibility to deal with our time risks. And so we have, to, the, uh, we have the responsibility to integrate these risks in our investment analysis and in our capital allocation. At the moment, we are not able to do that because we are missing standards. And the market is saying how to deal with these new aspects, climate, social aspects, like gender equality or human rights along the value chain, etc. But uh, the EU set up the so-called EU Action Plan on Sustainable Finance and developed uh, the taxonomy, uh, a standardization or um, a classification of uh, the corpus uh, of the climate risks along the value chains of the companies. They started only with the climate aspect, but within the next years, they will develop the taxonomy over the other dimensions, social and governance. And then the market will have a standardized uh, base to integrate these aspects. And um, it's not only uh, that there is a kind of market movement, it also comes out from, uh, from uh, com there's also a lot of regulation coming up. Since uh, 2017, uh, corporates bigger than um, 500 employees have to report relevant um, aspects coming from the fields environmental, social and governance. And so um, in France, since 2015, the investors have to report the climate risks of uh, their investment portfolios. That is not because we are all better people or we want to make the world a better place. No, we have to look at our own risks in the financial industry. We have to avoid stranded assets. Um, and the um, sustainable development goals are a perfect narrative for the um, financial community to deal with these risks coming from the environmental, social and governance uh, dimension in a more plastic way. So that we get a concrete idea in how far financing future has these different uh, layers and focus points. At the moment, they are um, mostly impact investors are working with the SDG uh, narrative, and the the rest of the of the market, like for example BlackRock or Larry Fink, is. Um, focusing on these ESG aspects. But I think impact investing, so doing more with money than earning money, um, having a kind of social, a kind of environmental impact, understanding in how far you are responsible as investor for what happens with your money when it goes out into the world, into projects, into companies, etc., will play an immense role within the next years. Thank you very much. Michael. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you very much. My name is Michael, Michael Brandkamp. Um, I'm just on the way to set up the new 
European Circular Bioeconomy Fund, together with the European um, Investment Bank, they contribute 100 million to set up this fund to close the financial gap for uh, companies want to grow in the bioeconomic sector. So we are pretty much pretty close to impact, but we don't want to call ourselves an impact fund because we want to make sure that, the, that we can do good business uh, with these kind of companies, with these investments, um, because if you look to impact funds, they're all, you know, these are good guys, and it, most, most of them, they don't really want to make a lot of money, and our goal is to show and to demonstrate that we can really uh, uh, make good profits in this specific area, and of course the impact goes along with this. Um, so it's not, if our fund, these kind of ESG and SDG are not just a prerequisite, uh, so it's, it's, it's a part of our concept. Um, we really want to make a difference, uh, but I think the main point is to show good IRRs first so that other investors will follow. So we believe that, that the investors will more and more uh, uh, look to the, um, to the money and where, what, what is done with the capital they invest. And that's very important. Um, and I think that will stay over time. It's not just a fashion, um, uh, and, but uh, it will be sustainable and it will be uh, for a long time and very important. Um, yeah, that's actually thank what you I think. Yes, thank you very much. While listening to you, I, I, I noticed that there was this, um, or I heard, and I want to reflect whether that is true or not, um, you said, uh, well, this is one of the crises, one of many crises that we had so far, and there'll be a next crisis after this crisis, and there'll be a next crisis after that. So, um, as, a, as a scientist myself, I would say, well, something is different, because for the first time we're actually, we have a crisis in our ecosystem itself, the place we live on and live in. So there won't be a second chance unless we migrate to Mars. Um, once it's done, it's done. Or when it's broken, once it's broken, it's broken. Now, people are saying that we have 10 years, um, plus minus 10 years, um, more or less, until we reach the 1.5 degrees plus goal, and after that, um, there could be chaos, climate chaos, more or less, or it will increase. So, um, how, how do you, so, so is that really on the same level, first question, and second, do we have the right tools right now in place to actually make that kind of change in that kind of time, or are we on a lost stand? Who wants to answer first? She's got the mic on the hand first, so okay. let's go. Thank you. Um, so don't understand me too, uh, wrong. Of course, uh, I take the climate change absolutely seriously, but what I want to underline is that emotional discussions don't lead us anywhere. We have to stay rational and we have to stay with the instruments and tools the financial industry developed over decades to deal with crisis um, and risks. And at the moment, they are not state-of-the-art, like I said, in dealing with for example, the climate change. We are lacking on data on these uh, uh, ESG dimensions, but um, it's nothing uh, unusual that the world is changing and the industry has to uh, get along with that. So I think staying with our 
um, expertise we've bundled over the last decades and with an idea uh, how we can move forward um, is the more rational way to act now. And I think, um, yeah, we have to get a bit more speed in that sustainable finance movement because we do not have the time until the market is ready uh, to think about these new data. And maybe they are completely imperfect at the moment. And like you said, the scenario building completely imperfect at the moment, but we have to start um, anywhere. And I think that's a clear signal coming from the EU Commission, coming from a lot of uh, um, uh, governments uh, in Europe that we have to um, transform our financial industry and it's a fundamental transition. Sustainable finance means uh, yeah, completely rebuilding, redefining um, our understanding of growth and value. Um, but I think we have uh, the tools that there, it can be done, but we have to start. Okay, so you have faith. From my point of view, we have, we have to extend the toolbox a lot. We just, you know, there's, there's a need to do that because we need to speed up very, very soon. Uh, there are so many people talking a lot, but we need to have more people being active and being, you know, really put money into innovation, which is so important uh, to, to um, uh, well, actually to save the planet in a way uh, and to, to have it uh, sustainable. So if we just use the old-fashioned toolbox, I think we cannot succeed. So we need to have new ones. We are writing on this uh, ESG handbook, and I think it will be different. Right. Two, two comments on that. Um, we may be walking into a bit of an unfair situation in which sources of capital, investors of any kind, private banks, philanthropic funds, are demanding more and more technological innovation. And we are not demanding the same amount of creativity for responsible financial innovation. So if we, if we want to finance new technologies with the old instruments, there's a chance we will succeed, but there's a chance we won't. And even if we come up with new instruments and new mechanisms for those new technologies that are supposed to hit those targets, if we continue to assess the success of those investments using the old metrics, we may fail as well. So the same amount of creativity that we are demanding the scientific and technological community needs to be applied responsibly to the creation of financing instruments and mechanisms that are going to be behind this transition. Otherwise, it's the sound of one hand clapping. Right? It's not going to work. Thank you. I hear you. Um, since we're working in the life science industry, we uh, made an interesting observation there. <clears throat> there are companies re doing a lot of research, or they want to do a lot of research and more research uh, for against infectious diseases, viruses like the coronavirus. And the reality is, these companies have a very small chance of getting financing. 90% of the funding, that's about the dimension of the funding, will go to the oncology uh, areas or Alzheimer diseases. Why? Because that's where the companies are making the big profits. Had the com and this has been going on for the last 10 years, <clears throat> the big, major big pharmaceutical companies have reduced their budgets for infectious diseases, not to zero, they have some activities. 
and smart enough, they have created a world organization in which they combine their efforts for inflammatory, uh, infectious diseases, that they have a lobbying body to say we're doing something, but they're not doing anything. Had they spent on this area for the last 20 years almost as much as they are spending on oncology, we might not have this, uh, um, this uh, virus situation today, or we might be able to, uh, to counter a breakout immediately. That is just an example to give you an idea how the real world really works. <clears throat> so I think the ideas here are all good, and I also subscribe to them. Obviously, I want a healthy, um, a healthy life for everybody. I want wealth for everybody. I want equality and all that. But I think the way to achieve it <clears throat> is differently. It will not work by the self-set goals in the free economy. Um, the reasons to get distracted from those goals are too manifold and a big recession is the first one. Um, and the profit uh, theme by most companies um, uh, is a second reason why it will not work, as I wanted to demonstrate with the infectious disease problem. Um, I think the only way to really achieve the goal, and a very, I, I may take any bet that it will not be achieved, uh, these goals, within the next 10 years until 2030. I think the only way to achieve them is <clears throat> if the political leaders set the rules that it has to happen, otherwise companies will go out of business. You have to do infectious disease research, otherwise you might not be allowed to do um, oncology programs and sell those products for a high margin. It is the will of the political leaders that is lacking and because that political will has been lacking for so long, I think it is now so late that the economy, the private economy, the companies and Larry Fink uh, are making, are pushing for it. Um, but I think that push in a, as a private initiative will not work if that push has the effect that the political leaders change their political agenda, that at the end Trump uh, acknowledges environmental problems, acknowledges poverty problems, acknowledges uh, missing healthcare standards for the poorer population in the US, then something can be changed. So it's, I think the, at the end of the day we have to hope that the political leaders develop the will to do something. Only then it will happen. That's my take. Thank you. Anyone like to comment on that directly? You all agree? Oh, oh that's different. Okay, so then if you disagree, please. Yeah, no, no, these are two different questions. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, I weren't precise. Um, that's one option. Uh, that is one option, and, uh, and it has worked in, in some areas in the past, but, uh, but uh, th this is a moment to explore options because business as usual suggests, nobody knows what's going to happen in 30 years, but business as usual suggests we will miss it. So it will be too late in 2030 to find out that business, we were waiting for a political will, we were waiting for regulation, but it didn't happen the way that we needed it, therefore we did not deliver. Um, there is no way to go back then. If there are alternatives, and alternatives can be built, um, uh, for example, in shared models, this would be a good moment to experiment. Right? So the same, we, we talk about being knowledgeable of innovation processes. We, we take pride in prototyping and, and, and trying things in small scale in one pilot plant, a laboratory. What is keeping us from prototyping 
effective models of blended finance, different types of, of, of um, engagement of society, all the way to decision makers, political leaders. Um, we say that it's been too late to innovate in area A or B or C in science and technology. It will be even later back then if the one shot that we had identified, which was political leadership, didn't materialize. Right. Yeah, but not everybody is convinced that climate change is really happening. That is one problem, maybe. And then we have an industry that um, is keen to earn money short term, uh, highly risk it. So, and that is why we are not acting the way we should, even if we have understood that something fundamentally is changing. And that's the problem. And that is why we need clear regulatory framework. Because the industry by itself will not um, bring that speed on the development we need. Um, because we have seen that over the last, I don't know, five to ten years discussing sustainable finance, green finance, ESG standards, etc. Nothing happened so far. Nothing mainstream comparable happened so far. Well, Michael, you, you're first to comment on that. You really think regulations are the only ones to place the pot at the end of the rainbow? Um, I think it's right to, to say, you know, the money is going there where the business is and where it's attractive. So we, we need, I think we have great opportunities in this uh, transformation process from uh, linear to a circular economy. So th this, this is a great area and we, we need to demonstrate that we can do good business and by that we will attract investors as well. So we cannot uh, have a regulatory framework to, 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 to make them or to, you know, to, to invest in these kind of uh, uh, investments, even if they're not, if they're, especially if they're not uh, um, successful. So that I think that will not, we will not succeed and that's not the way how we do business. We believe in market mechanism and we believe in, um, yeah, in, in good returns. But of course, if, if you, you, you know, we can ask the investors, to look at it, and we can we can have signals on it. We can we can we, we need to have transparency. So you need to have maybe a, a good sign on, on each uh, investment type. So if it is uh, if it doesn't follow the SDGs or ESG, you cannot put a green light on it. You, you may you may put a red light on it. That might help, but I think we don't should you know we cannot force anybody to invest in in, in, in some assets. That's not the way we think, is it? So it's, you know, it's a bit, uh, we have to differentiate a bit. Okay. Uh, so, sorry, Mr. Fuchs wanted, wanted to, his hand was going to, his, to the mic. Did I see that correct? Mm. He's still thinking on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, hearing the, the, that debate, and uh, I've been thinking back now, and I don't, don't want to stress it too much, but about this, the real world experience that we made there with companies doing phenomenal research in this infectious disease space and literally nobody from the institutional venture community that on their website would all promote these uh, objectives and uh, would all stand up here on the podium and uh, advocate them at the end of the day none is investing in them yeah? all the CEOs promoting these none of, none of them is investing in it so it could be that um, many of these claims here is just a good play along because that's what you have to do today. 
and the smartest uh, strategy to play along is to be the first one to claim it with the biggest claim. Yeah, this is, could right. be uh, Larry Fink's strategy. By being so cynical, I don't want to um, speak for it. I just want to help to think in the real world yeah, and understand how the real work, world works. And if we still want to make the change, then I think we need, uh, we need drastic uh, regulation that uh, companies that do things wrong uh, at the risk of going out of business. Yeah, uh, brutal rules to a certain degree. Um, <clears throat> and we need the chance to win oversized if you do certain good things. I don't have the patent res recipe uh, how it should work, but if you can make gains by doing good just as big as developing the next oncology drug, um, everybody will do it. And then you will get the best researchers going into that space. You will get the best investors investing in that space, and you will get the best pharmaceutical company uh, also investing in that space. Yes. Yeah? Okay, thank, thank, thank you. Sorry, there's someone um, who wants yeah. to answer. It's not about doing something good. In the real world, nobody will survive that crisis. Nobody will earn money in 100 years. The economic system will break down. That's the real world, and that is why we have to act. Everybody in his circle of influence. And I think um, everybody of us believes in the dynamic of free markets. We don't want to change it, but uh, the fundamental rules have changed because the climate is changing, etc., etc. And that is why we have to react in a sense being responsible uh, um, business people, being responsible for the value of our corporates, being res responsible towards our employees, being responsible towards the society. That is the real world. And it has been, um, but sometimes I think the financial industry has forgotten what uh, our core responsibilities is. And like I said, it's not earning money with money. It's creating value. Um, and the creation of value always depends on the environment you are creating this value in. And the environment is collapsing at the moment. And that is why we have to take these risks into account, use it as business opportunities, but also uh, transform um, big corporates like, for example, Siemens um, or the automotive industry. Nobody wants to um, divest, but we have to improve our engagement processes between corporates and investors. We have to define clear strategies how to um, align the core business with the Paris uh, goals and with the SDGs. And then we have to check and get in dialogue with each other. At the moment, there is the politics, here is uh, the real economy, and here is the financial industry. Everybody is doing its own stuff, and nobody cares about the rest of the world. And that is not how an economic system um, in a democratical understanding should work. And that is our problem. Could I ask the World Economic Forum representative who should organize that kind of alignment? And who is going to, who should organize that kind of brutal regime in order to force things into the right direction, if that was one way? Or in order to beat some sense into people that their world is collapsing right now, right now, as we speak. You know, in 10 years, I'll be alive. You know, it's not like it used to be in 50 years. I'll be dead and I don't care. It's in 10 years, I'll be alive and I'll, we'll live with it. We'll have to live with it. So, 
seeing it from that more very meter level, and it's it, it's about you know we can't if we if I do something it's I don't know I have no impact. If Germany does something, it has a little impact. If you know we have to act as a whole, and it's nine point something billion people that have to act as one. Who is supposed to organize that, or is there any something that you know of that could pull, push, whatever? We have. Um, I'm not speaking for the World Economic Forum. When I say we, is we. Um, we associate ourselves with a given political model or a given economic model that we believe um, works reasonably okay, and especially in comparison to others. And we say capitalism this or socialism that or any of the structures that we adhere to. Um, what we have learned is how they have uh, worked up to now. They, they may work the same way in the future. There's momentum. There's momentum in this, and so, so it's hard to say that tomorrow things will. But there's an alternative, which is to consider that they may work in a different way tomorrow. So even if uh, just picking the newspaper and reading about this crisis of capitalism, a bit of an identity crisis of capitalism, capitalism as we know it may not be the same capitalism in X years. I don't know what X is, and I don't know how different from the current understanding of capitalism it will be. But what if there is a different model, a different type of reward system? So given that, as an opportun given that opportunity to that thought, uh, the second is, okay, but who is supposed to build it? Um, th did anybody build what we enjoy today? Did any particular actor build it? And this is when we say, well, if we, if we wait for others to design this for me, it may or it may not happen. I don't know where that probability lies, but it may or may not happen. Um, I may increase the probability of that happening by taking an active part on it. Uh, no guarantee of success, but I may increase it. What is guaranteed is by not doing it, um, chances are it's not going to happen. So this is the part where we want to question those assumptions, right? Um, I agree with you. What we understand of the real world today Maybe the real world in 10 years, but it may not be. Um, there are some indicators that it's not going to be. Loss of species. There are things that are truly happening. <laughs> I don't think that this is... Uh, and it's no longer we believe in climate change. Do we understand? It's, no more it's not an act of faith. Do I get it or do I not get it? And if you get it, do you do something about it? And uh, so, so these are the elements we say, what is your... The answer is... You, there is no organization. Uh -huh. You, from whatever it is that you do, you need to do it. Organizations like ours will be happy to support, will be happy to be part of that change. But this is not going to come from a single actor. You do it. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, looking at the time right now, we have time for a closing statement from each member of the panel. Sorry very much for that, but uh, because we, uh, it seems like we just warmed up. Um, yeah, uh, uh, we could just uh, carry on. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that was, it's like Zendetzeit in Germany. Yeah, this is over. Um, so, um, would you please start, Michael? Um, yeah. Well, I just want to point out that the uh, European Circular Bioeconomy Fund uh, invests only in companies who really contribute to ES or to, to cover all this ESG and to contribute to SDGs at least in one point without uh, hurting the other ones. So that's very important, and we think it's not her, um, uh, decreasing our return profile. We think it is even increasing it, and that's maybe the most important message 
and that investors should care about it, where the money is going, what they have. Uh, maybe one point uh, to, the, to that uh, thing. Um, we see a neutral, slightly positive impact of integrating ESG on the um, um, return side, but we see definitely positive impact on the risk side. So uh, investments that integrate um, ESG aspects perform on a mid to long term view are better, much better than uh, um, the, the classical uh, investment strategies. So, and um, my last sentence, uh, sustainable finance is already happening in the real world. Everybody of you can be part of it. Call your bank, call your insurance companies, ask how they invest your money, because everybody from us is invested in something. And that means everybody is responsible for something because it's your money that other guys invest maybe in, I don't know, not the greenest uh, portfolios or maybe not in transition ideas. So um, like we see it in the food uh, or fashion industry, we need a bigger awareness that uh, financial industry, uh, being part of a financial system, makes you responsible as a single person, makes you responsible as a business person, and then we will bring sustainable finance from the actual green niche into the mainstream of international capital markets. Thank you very much. Very good. Thank you. I want to pick up two words. One is insurance. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, the insurance sector is actually thinking of this like crazy because the, the liabilities that are coming, if we follow business as usual, we're simply not going to be able to absorb. So this is, this is simply one of those areas in which I, business as usual, not going to happen. And the second is this risk of color blindness. Um, right now, the finance, project finance, sustainable finance is, is very colorblind. It's green or everything else. When in reality, the projects that are going to allow us to get there are just as colorful. Huh? And uh, we may have to create much more than green and bad. We're going to have to do 50 shades of, uh, of, uh, of projects. 50 shades of, of green. <laughs> Thank you very much for that inspiration. Yeah. Well, uh, even though I took the more controversy um, position here, I'm a father of two kids and I love life and uh, environment and everything. So um, I totally agree with, uh, with the, the movement, and it is a movement in the right direction. I just doubt that that will be the ultimate driver of change. It's not wrong from my perspective. Everything that pays into the common goal is good, but it will not be the ultimate mechanism to achieve our goal. <clears throat> I think about different mechanisms, as I've said. Thank you. So thank you very much, everyone on the panel. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was a pleasure. Thank you. Need one minute. So thank you very much for this inspiring discussion. And yes, we had not so much Zender Zeit anymore. And Stefan, also thank you for the excellent moderation. There's nothing more to add. I hope you had a successful day and many successes uh, will be your business tomorrow. I like very much that you pointed out your own or our own responsibility. We have to put the finger on, your, on our own. 
And finally, I just want to draw your attention to one of these goals, these 17 goals. Have a look at six o'clock. And can you see what's between industry and infrastructure? It's innovation. And believe me or not, innovation is orange. <laughs> so, be back again here in Frankfurt, in the city of the European Chemistry, partnering next year when there's the fifth European Chemistry partnering at the 23rd in February, with or without snow. Be there and we celebrate Mike's birthday. So thank you and have a nice get-together. We will be here for the next two hours. Thanks.